The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. This is the main event. This is your main event. Mark's podcast. I'm your first host, lifelong wrestling fan, former radio guy, cat dad, and the mystery manager. I am Troy. And with me, as always, is the main event collector and figure hunting warrior. He is the WCW watcher of classic wrestling and the Arn Anderson to my Paul Roma. He's Greg. What's up, Greg? Thank God. Paul Roma gets in the opening. I had to give I myself. Know, the, I don't know what to do with that. Well, I had to give myself the good one. I hope you don't mind. That's the one everyone wants to be. Well, yeah, that's why he didn't go uh, further than he he did, because Ric Flair envied him. We all know that. I can't believe he believes this. (laughs) People that don't know what we're talking about, Paul Roma said this on the Four Horsemen DVD. On record, yeah. Yep. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. People can find that Four Horsemen thing. I don't think it's on Peacock, but I could be wrong. It's not. Oh, okay. That was a good watch, I'm sure. I do have said. the TV. It'll be on my yeah. eBay soon. <laughs> I, I never bought it. I, I watched it. I downloaded it watched it online uh, shortly after it came out. But it was, it was an interesting watch. I was just like, I couldn't believe Paul Roma said that Ric Flair wanted to be him. Him. Good Lord. It's Carmelo Hayes, so. Yeah. Oh, but anyway, ladies and gents, today we are going back to the year 19... 19- 93. You know what? I was, I'm sitting there watching this, and I'm like, why does 1995 get heat for being the worst year ever? 1993 could very well be in there. I was going to say, you know, 1993, it's uh, pulling, up, pulling up right behind 1995, saying, hey, uh, you know, we're here too, all right? I want to say, in hindsight, I think the WrestleMania was better that year in 93. Yeah. I know it's universally panned, but I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, no, it I think it was more interesting than the one we got in 95. 95 was very boring. And uh, I know not, I'm not trying to crap on the dead here, but the guy in 1993 was Yokozuna, and nobody was buying that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, liked, I, I liked what WWF was doing in 93 for the most part, and I wasn't digging what WCW was putting down in 93. There yeah, was this, some, was, uh, this was telling right here. Yeah, there was some interesting stuff, like with Rude, uh, but everything else was just kind of blah. They were trying to work Ric Flair back into things. You got the Shockmaster. Uh, Shockmaster! There seemed like a lot of transitions, a lot of <laughs> a lot of guys, and I'm like, why the hell are you on this card? Or in other words, who are all these f***ing people? Yeah, that place. Yeah, no, I, no, I didn't look at this part. Was this Jim Hurd? Mm, no, this was uh, God. He because remember right uh, when when he was gone, then Flair came back. He would not come back when yeah, Hurt right. was still there. So this must have been Oli. That's right. Yeah, this was this was. Mm, this wait, was, uh, no, Bill Watts. Not just as bad. Okay. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure. That, pretty sure this was Bill Watts right here, uh, but we've actually got a story involving him. But yeah, it, it's uh, not a good time. It might have been Oli, but like I said, I'm really thinking it was Bill because uh, come to think of it, when he was fired, Bill, that is, that's when Bischoff took over. 
So I'm thinking this was him because Bischoff is about to take over next year. 88 Crockett, 98, 90, 88, 92 Hurt. Early 92 was Kip Fry. 92, 93 was Bill Watts. 93 was Bill Shaw. Part of 93 was Eric Bischoff. 93 had three bookers. So I think that may just uh, affirm everything we just said about 93 sucking there. Yeah. There was no. Watts, Shaw, Bischoff. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there was no cohesiveness to any of this. There was a lot going on behind the scenes that we're going to get into in the news segment. There was just, I just feel like it was a lot. And you and I, and, and some of it, and I'm going to mention it on this show too. You and I, uh, I think the first year, I want to say, that we did this podcast, I had booked us to cover Halloween Havoc 1993. We recorded it and then scrapped it afterwards, did something else because we said, man, that show's just so boring and this was a halloween havoc mind you like we might go back to it at a later date when we can kind of spruce it up or whatever but uh, that's yeah, on the like back put uh, nice suits on pigs in the show <laughs> yeah as you could tell by uh, what we did with our ecw shows but yeah no this was just like this might have been worse than the ecw show we just did yeah i mean it's i guess that's debatable but i could see i you know i couldn't argue with somebody who said it was but my my thing with this, uh, one of my final comments in my notes, I said there wasn't anything like gratuitously bad. Or well, of course, there's nothing gratuitously, nothing gratuitous because Russo wasn't on here. Wow. Well, it's like there wasn't anything like over bro. the top. No poops, bro. No. That's why the show sucked, bro. There weren't a lot of things that were like super bad on the show. It just I feel like it was just boring, which may be worse. I don't know, like. It's not bad. It's no, it might be worse, boring. yeah, because if it's boring, what, even if it's bad, it's something to laugh at, like I do on Wednesdays. But this is wow. boring. Yeah. That's, this, what, that's what NXT's become kind of lately. So. Yeah, it's just not not good, man. Uh, not good. Believe me, not good. Bad. Not Worst good ever. <laughs> it's what we're telling you. Okay. I don't know. That's I, what I'm telling you. People tell me, they say, it's the worst show ever. I say, what about the show last week? They say, no, trust me, this one's worse. I say, okay. That's <laughs> what they tell me. Oh, man. Anyway, yeah. If, if you could see, I'm doing the hands. But <laughs> uh, either way. The orange uh, jazz hands, yes. Yeah, or playing the accordion. <laughs> yeah. You ever see that video of somebody photoshopped like an accordion in his hands? And yeah. as he's talking, it's doing... <laughs> I thought that was I wa- clever as hell, but <laughs> I watched that on a loop. I'm like, dude, I like, I can't stop laughing at this. Like, it, it's perfect. Like as he's talking, it's like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, before we get into the news and notes, because we do have some pretty big one, uh, pretty big stories as I mentioned uh, upcoming. Well, I can imagine what one of them is. Yeah, but uh, first, I do want to thank the sponsor of the podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Mahler Bros Golf. We all want to look good on the golf course, but it often comes at the expense of feeling good. Mahler Bros Golf has polos that look good and feel good. With their lightweight and stretchy material that hugs your body, you will feel cool while looking just as cool. Their polos are guaranteed to make you look better, but it's up to you to golf better. On a hot summer day on the golf course, there's no polo that you would rather wear than Muller Bros Golf Signature Polos. Muller Bros Golf has a large catalog of polos with designs for those who want a loud design and others for those who want a subtle and sleek looking design. 
They also have fun t-shirts, hats, tumblers, and so much more to make your golfing experience better. Use code BELLYUP at MullerBros.com for 15% off. Muller Bros doesn't just have polos, by the way. They have really fun golf t-shirts that you can wear anywhere. Maybe like that barbecue that your family invited you to, or even that get-together with your friends. Maybe a night out on the town if you want to have fun while looking good and also impressing the local ladies. Make sure to let them know where you got that shirt and wear it proudly. Don't wait to try out your new favorite golf apparel. Upgrade your golf attire with Mahler Bros. Get 15% off at MahlerBros.com with code BELLYUP. That's 15% off at M-A-H-L-E-R-Bros.com with code BELLYUP. Turn heads on the golf course or wherever you wear Mahler Bros. polos. Mahler Bros. golf look good, feel good, feel good, play good. And now we're going to get into our first break where we're going to tell you about our merchandise here for the podcast, and also some uh, some other great podcasts out there. It's we're out of hockey season, so it, it's uh, you know nothing nothing current going on for here in Puckburg, but you can always still keep up with uh, old Shaggy. You can drive down to uh, Puckville and jerk the curtain, take the apron bump. Yep, uh, that's I I made memes for the for the show a oh, while and, ago. Uh, you're a wrestling addict. I always forget to plug that one. I'm sorry. Yeah. But I do listen to it. Yep. And uh, check out the other great podcasts we're going to be talking about in the breaks on the show. I I know, uh, just like the rest of you, when I hear a show going on a break, I tend to want to fast forward it. But we're not just selling you products or whatever. We are telling you about some other great podcasts. that, If you like this one or if you like sports, you'll probably get into those as well. So check them out. And also buy our merch. It's command. Demand. Damn it. Go do it. Holidays will be here before you know it. Get uh, get your fellow marks in your life some uh, some of our merchandise. But anyway, we're going to take our first break. On the other end of this, news and notes time. Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks pod on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks and at Main Event Collector. By God, somebody's interrupting the Main Event Marks. Sit down, JR. It's just me, Kyle Sullivan, a.k.a. Shaggy Von Doom, your host of Here in Puckburg on the Hockey Podcast Network. I know, a hockey show on the main event marks. Who would have thought? This is an invasion angle. Somewhere between the Nexus and when WCW tried to invade WWE, you know, somewhere in there. But I'm over here just telling you that one half of your tag team champions over here, Greg... He told his story of his love for the game of hockey over on my show. And if you'd like to hear that story, all you have to do is search here in Puckburg, wherever you get your podcasts, or on YouTube. In the meantime, Shagamania's got to go run wild on some other hockey show. So, just remember, quote the Raven, nevermore. Take your vitamins, say your prayers, and oh yeah! Get ready to rumble! In your new Main Event Marks merchandise, we've got t-shirts, hoodies, masks, hats, stickers, pins, and much more on our Redbubble store. That's maineventmarks.redbubble.com. You can also pick up some awesome clothing items with the latest updated show graphics on our Bonfire store. That's bonfire.com slash store slash main event marks. Support your favorite retro wrestling podcast and pick up some cool swag on our Bonfire and Redbubble stores. That's Main Event Marks 
marks.redbubble.com and bonfire.com slash store slash main event marks. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks. And we're back. And we're back. If you're tuning into a wrestling podcast to hear about wrestling and you want it gimmick and politic free, you probably want the same out of your products. Are you ready to ditch the gimmick coffee? Coffee Brand Coffee is fresh roasted to order using only the highest quality coffee sourced direct from farms around the world. They've got bagged coffee as well as K-Cups. Not into coffee? Well, they've got great teas and cocos as well at Coffee Brand Coffee. Their head coffee roasters have mastered the art of unlocking flavors hidden inside their beans. Each batch is custom crafted and curated to accompany unique flavor profiles. Click on the link in the podcast description or go to coffeebrandcoffee.com and use our special promo code main event, all one word, at checkout to get 5% off your order. That's coffeebrandcoffee.com and use the promo code main event to save 5% at checkout. News and notes time. Let's see if this comes across here. Yeah. Oh man, Nothing. pop in the top. It's just uh, sparkling water today. Well, uh, Full disclosure, we're recording a little late, so I'm not sure getting energy drinks today, even sugar-free, because I don't want to stay up all day. Yeah. Oh, uh, my. I, I didn't get any sleep last night, so I just drank espresso this morning, trying yeah, to wake my ass up. Yeah. You know, that's really uh, something people don't realize. Espresso doesn't wake you up as much as black coffee does. Really? Yeah. It's got more uh, caffeine because it takes longer to extract. Huh. And a lot I, of people don't realize that. How about that? See, our podcast is fun and educational. Exactly. And for the biggest, for the biggest kick, go get iced coffee because that's a about a forty-hour extraction. So it's a lot. It's packed with caffeine. Well, how about that? You want to learn? You want to learn more about coffee? You know, just just tune into us, and every once in a while, Greg will drop some knowledge on Got you. Got your back. I sent you that one picture from it was, it was a uh, coffee being sold at a local gas station. It was, <laughs> uh, it was called Drip Drop Hooray. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, and it's it was the, like that's one of the classic rap songs in history too. Yeah, <laughs> and it was and it was styled like graffiti. I'm like, ah, uh. and you were like, oh, great song. Coffee probably sucks. And I'm like, well, it's gas station coffee, so uh, you know, you're, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was one of the only rap songs I've ever liked was Hip Hop Hooray. Probably because they played it after home runs at the Coliseum. That's when I got attached to it. That's probably what it was. Nice. Yeah, Greg is not the rap aficionado on this show, but uh, not that I am. My, my favorite rapper of all time has been on a mission, so there you go. There's that. Good grief. What, what about John Cena? He was alright. Oh, uh, Max Caster. He's great. PG-13? Hell no. Oh, they, they were great. They, they would rap the Nation of Domination to the ring, man. <laughs> PG-13, PG the greatest African-American tag team of all time. Oh, Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, getting into the news and notes. You should be slapped for that. Yeah, I'm sure I will be, but there we go. That is correct. Shut the fuck up, Dave. Everything that guy just says bullshit. (laughs) Ah, all right. Uh, The Joe Pesci gets you every time. Really does. It's just funny. That's like literally his. Anyone's ever seen this literally his whole opening statement, which is usually supposed to be about 10, 15 minutes or so, explaining yeah. why 
why I'm right in the DA or, or whatever it might be the other way around. He's wrong. Right. I think he said bullshit. <laughs> okay, I'm sold. Not guilty. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, since he put it that way. Oh, you know, it's funny. Like, when I was a kid, I didn't realize it now in hindsight. But man, they really had to just like PG him down for Home Alone. I didn't realize all of his old movies. Yeah, it like, right. It, uh, expletive written. You but he kind of sneaks it in there when he when he gets hit, or I think he falls off the stairs, or the second one, the slime falls on his face. He kind of mm. like says every bad word in the book, but like mumbling it. Well, <laughs> did you ever see that the movies that made us? Yeah, I love that series. Yeah, you, it's on you Netflix. The, if you guys haven't watched it, go watch it. Did you watch the one on Home Alone? Oh, of course. Yeah, uh, you remember they were saying like uh, his way because you know he it was so natural of him for him just to you know cause a blue streak all the time so they said yep. that's why he did that because he was like trying to stop himself from cussing so that's why he did the right yeah i remember watching that movie casino i'm like man this guy was in the uh family hit of the 90s man like what really this guy <laughs> yep that and if anybody watches goodfellas and pretty much anything else he was in you've never seen yeah. goodfellas there's something wrong with you yeah right yeah uh, i recommend anyway. casino though that's uh a lost classic. I haven't seen that one yet, but it is on my watch list, so I'm getting to it. TJ's but, stuck in the 80s, folks. He's getting to the 90s, finally. Yeah, exactly. Even though you didn't sniff the 80s, I don't think. Did you? No, I was born in 90. So close. Yeah. Uh, I did not know about the this stuff here in the WWF. There's a, there's a lot of stuff going on in WWF. A lot of turmoil. Uh, there's Let's go back to the opening of the show. Or do we talk? I think we was off air. Was it off air? I forget. But talking no. about ninety three sucking for them. Yeah, right. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't a good time. But bad. Yeah, it uh, it was uh, not good. Believe me, not good. And we'll get yeah. into why. So Shawn Michaels quit the WWF while still Intercontinental Champion. The current plan is to crown a new champion in some kind of 20-man tournament at the tapings on September 27th <clears> in <throat> Haven. Well, uh, he's yeah. partly there. I mean, did did he quit? Well, I think he, uh, yeah, I don't know the story behind that, but it was not a tournament, it was a battle royal. Ah, uh, okay. Well, either way. <laughs> but, I yeah. Just, I, I didn't, like, just pass that, but, like, recently I saw it. It came down Razor Ramon and Rick Martel. And then oh, yeah. they, and then they didn't finish it. They, they were one on one the next week. That was the first time that ever happened, I think. Well, this I'm like today's years old when I'm finding out about all of this. Like, wow. But Shawn Michaels, WWF departure. You feel like a the, dork for knowing all this. Yeah. Uh, it marks the first time in the modern era that someone has left the company without dropping a title. Man, that just seems like Shawn's mo, huh? The last time it happened was Victor Rivera leaving for a rival promotion while half of the WWF tag team champions in 1975. Sean who? was reported. Who? Yeah, you know, that guy. <laughs> you don't know that guy? Plant Rivera? Who are all these fucking people? <laughs> anyway, Sean was reportedly upset about something with the promotion and was gaining weight as a result to the point where he had a belly for the first time in his career. Well, this is 93, and they had to obviously stop the extracurricular things. Um, yeah. Uh, is that why... Crap, was it this year's WrestleMania? 
where he his his tights were like super high up. Might have been this one. I don't remember. This was the one when he fought Tonka, right? Mm, I think this is ninety three. So you're talking about WrestleMania nine, right? Yeah, yeah, that might have been the one. Yeah, because somebody had a sign in the crowd. Let me look at the event. figure here and see if it reflects on that figure. Hold on, let me look at it. Well, well somebody had no, a sign no, in, here. in the crowd in the future. Like, I, I want to say it was within the past couple of years. Somebody had the most random-ass sign in the crowd that was like, why were Shawn Michaels' tights so high at such and such event? And then somebody shared a picture, and he pulled his tights up like over his belly button, like damn near it Urkel style. It's, it's not reflected on the fig, but that doesn't mean anything. So it might have been WrestleMania yeah. 9. Yeah, I don't remember which event it was off the top of my head. But <laughs> Hang on, hold on. I got a freaking computer right here in front of me. Well, it might be... It, I don't okay. know. It It might have been to hide uh, a belly. That's the only thing I was thinking of. Oh, here we go. Yeah, it was it was SummerSlam 93. I see the sign right here. It's behind, uh, it's behind Roman Reigns' head. It, this was like within the last couple of years. It says, why were HBK's pants so high at WrestleMania 93? And or at SummerSlam '93, so I'm looking and, at it. Yeah, I can see it now. Yeah, they're pulled up past his belly button, and he's taking on Mr. Perfect. You can tell he's got a. I mean, he's in better shape than I am, but he's, he's in he's, better shape than a lot of people, right? But compared to his normal look, the he's got a bit of a gut on him, so maybe that was why he was getting a little paunchy. So I could see them saying, but he just wore a singlet. It. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he didn't go with the look or whatever. Bro. But Doink the Clown and the Steiner brothers were all removed from upcoming bookings in the WWF. In the case of Doink, it's believed that no one will notice because Steve Lombardi is just going to take Matt Bourne's place on all the shows. Uh, by the way, if anybody hasn't seen the Dark Side of the Ring on Matt Bourne yet, it's, uh, man, it sucks, man. A lot of people saying, oh, he got screwed in that run. Well, it sounds like he screwed himself. You go listen to it. How, His own wife and kid kind of. Uh, they said they took him out of the role because they, a lot of people said that he didn't fit the role or whatever. And you hear this. like, no. His uh, wife and yeah, kid flat out say he was you know, just messed up. Yeah, he like. He beat the crap out of his wife to the point where her eyes were swelled shut. And he would frequently get into fights with people like. Yeah, he was messed up beyond all recognition. And I get like looking at your dad, like especially something like this, like, oh, man, he was great. And, you know, he was my superstar growing up or whatever. But it's like his daughter acts like he was Hulk Hogan or something like yeah, it's <sighs> pretty sad. But... Yeah, and obviously, was... we don't know the whole thing around it, but her saying I refuse to believe that, that woman didn't kill my dad. Yeah. Like, uh, look at your like, look at your dad's life like literally everything about your dad's life i don't know it's and Terrible. they did they did investigations and whatever i mean you can't always prove whatever but also well, he died still. in texas okay i mean they'll get to the bottom of it there they don't play around there yeah but either way but yeah there was multiple people that doink they treated it like a luchador gimmick where they're like ah you can paint your face and wear the outfit like, well, I mean, it was it worked, right? Kind of. I mean, the thing, I, the only one that came close to his level of success was was it uh, when Ray Apollo took over with Dink? Was yep. that who? 
I think that, yeah, I think that's who was playing it during that time. Because there was, Steve Lombardi did it for a minute. Then uh, Steve Kern. He, Steve Kern was the other doink at WrestleMania 9, by the way. Which, that was another thing they crapped on. They said, well, that was horrible, and that ruined him. I'm like, really? I thought that was clever. Like, it was. That, yeah. That's one of the only things people remember. <laughs> like, I find, yeah, I just, I find it funny that when I heard about them, I'm like, wow. He was Skinner the year before. Now he's the other doink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, he used to be one of... He used to be in a tag team. I can't remember. The fabulous ones, right? Yeah, the fabulous ones. Yeah, that was it. And then he, then he's freaking Skinner. But anyway... Every lady's dream, the alligator man. Yeah, right. <laughs> but meanwhile, there appears to be some kind of suspension for Scott Steiner, who uh, or which has resulted no! in the team... <laughs> which you has resulted. Lie. I know. Uh, he, he always finds his P's and Q's. I don't get it. But this has resulted in the team being removed from all appearances until Survivor Series. Of course, they already yeah, that would, lost. That would happen. Yep. But of course, they already lost the tag titles to the Quebecers on the September 13th Raw, a decision that was apparently based on all the backstage stuff going on with the team. Okay, you know what? That explains so much. Because when I was watching that, I was like, this is hella random. Uh, Quebec is yeah. still all new. All of a sudden, the champs. Okay, now I get it. Yeah, and I'm sure they were super over too. <laughs> well, people hated them. I can tell you that. Oh yeah. Wait, and you're their from manager, Canada, aka Raven. Not just Canada; they're French Canadians too. Ah, oh, I know Canadians Gross. crap on them. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but it's believed that after the Steiners honor their dates when the suspension is up. They'll head back to New Japan and leave the WWF for good. Yeah, that place, that tracks. Yeah. I don't know if they go back to New Japan off the top of my head. It could be WCW right away, but they do leave. Right. Well, lucky fans, I'm doing air quotes, at house shows will now get the excitement of seeing WWF, uh, or of seeing a WWF tag title match between the Quebecers defending against the team of Bam Bam Bigelow and Adam Bomb for the time being. Whew. That's uh I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> Those guys never drew a dime. <laughs> That's what I have to say about that. Uh, Look, I like Bam Bam and Adam Bomb was okay. I think with the Adam Bomb gimmick you Go like, back and watch, man. They're shoving him to the damn moon. Yeah, Same thing right, with well, Doink. Who won't like that? Look at it. They were three, those two were just being Sure. And then, according to Bruce Pritchard, they woke up and realized nobody gave a damn about Adam Bomb. So, I don't know. I don't know, dude. When he turned into a face, he was getting pretty over. Poor cheering yeah. on hell. Just throwing those foam uh, football-like bombs in the crowd and <laughs> eating it up. Yeah. Yep. Well, my my dad used to build up Adam Bomb to me. Like, before I, I knew who Adam Bomb was... Like he would like tell me old stories about when he watched wrestling before when I was young, and he's like, "Oh, he's so cool!" And he's like describing his outfit and his gimmick and whatever. And I'm like, "Oh, that sounds pretty sweet." And then I watch it and I'm like, "Why was my dad so into this guy? <laughs> like he's okay." But I don't know. My dad likes some goofy stuff, man. I told uh, you, you know. about when I was watching wrestling. My dad would talk to William Regal to me, right? Yeah, I hated him obviously because he was healing. Dad's like, "This guy's great. It's amazing. This guy sucks." Well, <laughs> little did I know. <laughs> yeah, we see it now. Yeah, I didn't give a damn about him years ago either. But 
But the issue for the Steiners was the fact that they could easily be making more money in Japan, and they weren't happy with what they were making in the WWF. No one is really sure what their you contracts... You signed on the contract. You signed the contract on the dotted line. You probably knew what you were going to get. My thing is, I'm wondering if they got... Because Bruce Pritchard talks about this, where Vince isn't big on like guaranteed... Or at least back then, he wasn't big on guaranteed contracts. He was... Oh, he well, shouldn't gonna, be. Those are stupid. Yeah. Well, his thing was, well, we're going to pay you... We guarantee you like this base amount, but you have a potential to make way more. And like Jim Ross talked about... Uh, we do opportunities. Yeah, right. And Jim Ross talked about uh, Stone Cold would get his guarantee within like a month. And then after that was all like access. I was talking about in the um, the height of his popularity. Yeah. Well, there's a huge yeah. difference there, isn't there? Right. But he was saying he's like, he. I think he said The Rock, Stone Cold, Triple H, Undertaker, like all those guys always shattered their guarantee every time. Well... I know it's the upper. No. <laughs> he just named. I'll give you a second to think of those heavy names he just dropped. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I guess no one is really sure what their contract situation is. But the best guess is that it expires in December, but it might run as long as December of twenty four, uh, nineteen ninety four. Uh, either way, it's believed that the WWF wouldn't stand in their way if they went back to Japan, just as long as they didn't go back to WCW. <laughs> Yeah, they'd wind up back in WCW. I'm not going to say right away, but they would end up back there. Hey, Turner's willing to pay him, I guess. Yeah, because you know, I haven't said it yet, because, you know, go blue. Oh, well, eat ass. But that, uh, Those other... guys are the epitome of go blue. How dare you? Yeah, and you're the, epi- you're the epitome of kiss my ass. But the episode of Raw with the tag title change actually did a 1.8 by far the lowest in the history of the show. Oh, man, but people love the Quebecers, man. Come on. They kiss each other on the cheek after they won back then. Well, you know what, Greg? They were not impressed with their performance. <laughs> you know that uh, people, I mean, you know, well, some people don't, that Cor- uh, Pierre Corlet of this team still freaking wrestles today. Oh, yeah. Now, it's also worth uh, noting that here, he's like 22, 23, something like that. So it's yeah. not like he was like old as hell here, but still crazy. Yeah, Jacques was on the downward slope of his career. Raymond you ever got that the all F the out. youngest champions in WWE history that they name off are always foreigners? You got <laughs> him, uh, Rene Dupree, and Paige. Right. The only one I could think of off the top of my head that wasn't was uh, like Randy Orton. Yeah. Like he's the one, but yeah, the rest of them. Before him was The Rock, so there's... That is correct. <laughs> Sorry, I stepped on you there. You said Brock Lesnar. He's not funny, though. Yeah. But, uh, well, Crush is doing subtle hints of returning from his ankle injury as a heel! Wait, what? Uh, Say that again? Crush is subtly hinting that when he returns from his ankle injury, he'll be a heel. Yeah, yeah, it would happen. We'll give him it. Yeah, because before... Was it before the 93 was WrestleMania nine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, okay. Yeah. That that's, that's correct. So yeah, he was the that baby face. Blonde. Yeah. He was the blonde crush there. And uh, we just call him Kona crush. Was he still Kona? Was he going by Kona crush with that? Well, uh, he never went by Kona crush. They just called him that. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
And then when he came back around this time, what the hell was he doing? I don't even remember. Well, he didn't come back and do anything. He just came back and turned on Macho Man for not helping him with Yokozuna. Okay, I remember now. Yeah, he he lets his hair go back brown. He grows the facial hair, wears the face paint. He kind of gets his uh, demolition-like face paint back without the silver and covering the majority of his face. Yeah, and uh, he gets Mr. Fuji. I remember now, going into WrestleMania 10. Okay. He's a Japanese yeah. sympathizer. Because, you know, in 1993, Japan and America, you know, they weren't good or anything. <laughs> yeah. <that's Japanese. laughs> I think it's a little bit better in 1945. I, maybe I, I could be wrong, but... <laughs> Wait, he, he ain't American. <laughs> F him. Same thing with the Canadian stuff, man. It's like, <laughs> do we have heat with Canada? Uh, I am unaware. <laughs> but I, just anyway. think that, I think that just paints America in a bad light. Hey, you're, you're signing with someone that's not America, therefore you're evil. You're kind of like saying well, that you think every country's evil. That's what it's telling me. But I get that. But on the flip side, when WWB went to Canada in like the early 2000s and Scott Steiner was a big baby face, he just had his logo like in the stars and stripes on his on his tights. So he got booed out of the building. Yeah. Canada, I mean, Canada was like, you're wearing your country's flag on your tights. If you away, I'm not your buddy friend. He's not your friend guy. I'm not your guy, buddy. He's not your buddy, friend. I'm not your friend, guy. Okay, they don't ever swear. They're too, they're too damn nice, so you got that all wrong, but whatever. Screw you, buddy. <laughs> and then he yells, then they I'm not your buddy, color. guy. That's <laughs> 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 your buddy, uh, pal. <laughs> yeah, I'm not your pal, guy. <laughs> anyway. Sergeant Slaughter was fired as a WWF road agent to save money. Yeah, he's not I don't think long. that would, I don't think that would be a long firing no he's back here before you know it i don't i don't know when i don't even know if he's officially ever gone i don't know i could i mean uh, i can get back to you off the podcast let you know what he's doing in five soon but yeah yeah i have no idea but medusa is negotiating with wwf to come in and feud with luna vachon in november yeah think that happens she will because be the Sherry and Luno goes nowhere. Right. Nobody gave... People gave less than a damn about this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for they had the match. They had the match advertised twice for superstars, and it never started. It just kept being jump starts, and we're not going to have the match. <laughs> for those that don't know, Medusa is also WWE Hall of Famer, Alundra Blaze. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. Luna was shot. Luna Vachon had a Dark Side of the Ring episode about her. And we know where that's going to go, the uh, Medusa thing. <laughs> yeah. So, last WWF story I have here. Johnny Gunn might be coming into the WWF around the same time as Medusa. Those that don't know, Johnny Gunn, I believe, is Sal Sincere. Oh, good lord. Yeah. Hey, that's a big signing. What do you mean, good lord? Come on. Johnny Gunn, Sal Sincere, Tom Brandy. Man, he never had a chance, dude. <laughs> oh, wait, no, he was Tom Brandy. I'm sorry. Uh, Sal Sincere was Tom Brandy. So. Okay, uh, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, okay, Johnny Gunn was another one of his names. All right. I don't know. What's up, All man, right, so, confuse me. They threw him out of first base and never looked back. Yeah, <laughs> right. They literally signed him to be a jobber. I mean, I can't really blame them, because they, they told him right up front. But, yeah, but then they had all those vignettes for Salvatore Sincere's coming soon. That tells me that they had something for him. But then they reneged. Ah, oh, never mind. Yeah, well, 
I don't know, because uh, there was another podcast we did. We're in the news. He was lumped in there with, oh, they're bringing in all these guys. They're going to change their gimmicks to this, and they're all going to be jobbers. I don't know. But it was around this time. I know that. I can tell you some of the list of jobbers they had around this time. It was kind of crazy. Just incredible. Both of the baldies. Both the headbangers. Oh, really? Chris Canyon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and you, you had T.L. Hopper. Oh, and, uh, and uh, both Smothers. the Hardy boys. Yeah. Uh, Tracy Jeff Smothers. Had, Jeff Hardy had a really weird-ass name. Let me see if we can find it. Yeah. Oh, they gave him a name? Different name. Huh. There it is, yeah. Jeff Hardy went by Keith Davis. The hell? That's Man. what his name was when he was jobbing somebody, yeah. Look, we want you to sound incredibly white. Like, painfully white. <laughs> Keith. <laughs> Good grief, man. That's something. Yeah, I was like, I'm like watching it. I'm like, that looks like Jeff Hardy. And I'm like, what the hell is his name? Keith. So I looked it up. I'm like, oh my God, it was him. Wow. Well, getting into the WCW side of things here, all these stories are kind of interconnected. You can kind of figure out what's going on here. So WCW waged war with the NWA in court four days before fall brawl. The NWA was attempting to obtain a restraining order against WCW, preventing them from advertising the Rick Rude versus Ric Flair match as any kind of world heavyweight title match. WCW officially pulled out of the NWA on September 1st, by the way. So WCW agreed to the NWA's terms, which were that they would approve the switch to Rick Rude as long as WCW agreed to have Rude drop the belt to a wrestler of the NWA's choosing on an NWA show on January 31st. If Rude refused to do the job, WCW would have to pay $100,000 per day. Yeah. And uh, well, this is that old urban legend where they said the NWA didn't want Rick Rude being their champion. Yeah, they definitely did not. And Why? Was he too good? Hell if I know, man. But it continues, man. This, uh, <clears throat> Well, it's a quick little name change that gets around it, right? Not exactly, but uh, we'll we'll get to it here. This next part is like, oh my gosh. Like, Rick Rude basically gave him the middle finger. That's BS. says, after this, Rick Rude pretty much told WCW he wasn't going to agree to that, which would mean WCW would be guaranteed to rack up hundreds of thousands of dollars in damages, and the deal changed. WCW's lawyers approached the NWA about this, and the NWA meekly agreed to the deal, where pretty much everything happened the way that WCW originally intended, but the announcers on the pay-per-view would have to read a disclaimer saying that WCW is not affiliated with the NWA in any way. Everyone agreed to the deal. Did they say that? Because I don't think I heard it. Uh, I, I didn't catch it, but they might have. The next part of the story is really crazy, though. This is like, okay. And, uh, yeah, let's just get into it. But later in the morning, WCW decided to alter the deal anyway and pretty much told the NWA to go pound salt. WCW then hired a new lawyer who had previously won the lawsuit against the WWF for putting the NWA title on TV without permission. Turn yeah, that one I can, I can see, you know, that was pretty dirty, but yeah, dude, this guy has been on both sides of this NWA title thing. <laughs> like, good <laughs> grief. You might be the only one well, besides Rick, of course. Yeah, right. However, in a pretty shocking twist that was right out of the future playbook of Vince Russo, 
It turns out oh. that it turns out that the NWA forgot to read the fine print. So, just as a little history lesson here to back this up. All right, sorry, let me stop you. What fine print? What am I missing? Well, that's what I'm about to get into. Here. Oh, sorry. Okay. Because uh, to back to to talk about the fine print, uh, got to give a little bit of a history lesson here. It'll I'll keep it brief. The TLDR version. So in 1985, Ric Flair paid the $28,000 to have the big gold belt made and then quit the company in 1991 and took the belt with him, claiming that it was his property. Uh, I wonder where he got that idea after he paid for it. But And per per Rick himself, he never got the money back when he lost it because he knew he'd get it right back. Yeah, everybody everybody openly says... No shit, he's going to get it back to Ric Flair. Yeah, well, the thing is, he like he gave Jim Hurd because Jim Hurd was in charge at the time. He gave him the the option. He was like, "Hey, uh, you know, I paid twenty eight grand for this belt. You give me the twenty eight grand back. I'll That's gladly give you. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, I'll gladly give you your title and f off. And Jim Hurd said, "No, go screw yourself. I'm keeping your money and give me back my belt, damn it." And Rick said, "Nope, bye." Well, according to rumor, he also gave him a bunch of Pizza Hut coupons, so. Yeah, he sent him 28 grand of Pizza Hut coupons in the mail. <laughs> but anyway, uh-huh. WCW slash NWA teamed up to sue, and Flair returned the belt in exchange for getting his $28,000 back. Thus, WCW slash NWA owned the title belt. At this point, the actual membership of the NWA was Seiji Sakaguji of New Japan and Bill Watts of WCW. So Hold essentially... Up. So essentially, they were the only two groups in control of the NWA and made all the decisions, legally speaking. Wow, that's quite an alliance there. But uh, in October of 1992, here's here's uh, the fine print. Bill Watts drafted a letter to Sakaguji that was said to be a bill of sale, stipulating to the NWA president, Sakaguji, that he was selling the physical NWA world title belt to WCW for $28,000 that was paid to Flair. However... No one from the NWA had actually bothered to read that bill of sale, and suddenly in court, the new lawyer revealed that, in fact, that bill of sale had not only sold the physical belt to WCW, but all intellectual <laughs> property property rights to the NWA name. Oh, good lord. So, the judge this denied is, the restriction. This is kind of like a real-life version of when Hogan and Bischoff stole TNA from Dixie, remember? Yeah, right. <laughs> So the judge denied the restraining order, although WCW wasn't going to use the NWA name on pay-per-view anyway. So, like I said, TLDR, uh, because of that exchange between Watts and Sakaguchi back in 1992, WCW basically owned the belt, the name, everything. Like, yikes, man. So they obviously don't continue as the NWA, so what do they just use that to, all right, we're keeping the belt, you can have the NWA name back. Uh, I guess so. They're like, I don't know if they, they said they own the intellectual property rights to the NWA name. So I don't know if that meant like they could say it, but I don't know how that works, but either way. So basically the NWA had zero case here. If you would have had a lawyer, like my Jewish father of lawyer, you would have won this case. Yeah, great. Right. Uh, yeah, Bill Watts, for once, saved their ass. Well, legend has it, no one there was black. That's why he was helping. Wow. Allegedly! That dark side of the ring about Junkyard Dog, if, if what they said about him is true, that's disgusting. About Bill Watts. Yeah. 
I I don't know because I mean not saying that JYD is a liar, but he's the only one that can corroborate the story. Bill Watts denies it, and Bill Watts supposedly loved JYD, so I don't know why he would just call him the N word and act like he was you know nothing basically. I'm not saying he didn't, but at the same time, like everybody says, oh Bill Watts loved him, and he even like he he was really upset when he left. And he cried when he died and all that stuff. So I don't know. Bro, when you he, never know. The guy that cried, bro. Yeah, right. But either way, basically, the NWA can do a tournament, bro, and name whoever they want as champion. But in the minds of the fans, the real champion is still in WCW, and the NWA is pretty much boned, credibility-wise. Hmm, I wonder how that tournament's going to go, Greg. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if all those other NWA champs of the past can kiss someone's ass. They're not even going to have one champion in WCW until right before Hogan comes in. Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Uh, I also love, by the way, now now I'm looking back at it, was was them keeping the international title as the WCW title like another slap to their face? Maybe. Uh, My thing is, why is it there? Like, or like and for that they... long, by the way. It's for another year from this point. Yeah, well, why why do they keep calling it the, the International World title, and then they've got the WCW title? And that's redundant enough. But... Yeah, right. Why why do they have two title belts? That I never understood. Yeah, I don't get it. And I feel like they eventually gave the belt back to the NWA because uh, isn't, doesn't Great Muda get the, get the title here before long? I don't remember that. I remember it because we I know we reviewed a show. I unify the, the two titles, though. At the Clash yeah, of Champions, were, right before Hogan comes in. I remember you and I reviewed a show where Great Moto was defending the NWA world title, and he, it was the big gold belt. And I was like, wow, I never knew he held that, but okay. But uh, in another twist of the story... I don't know, the lineage of that thing is like all screwy in my brain. Yeah. In another twist to the story, after Uncle Dave reported that Road Warrior, oh Hawk, Road Warrior Hawk and Ted DiBiase were the top names being considered for the NWA champion last week, WCW immediately tried to sign both of them to screw with the NWA. They succeeded in getting Hawk to return. DiBiase quit negotiations midway through the week, and he was told that his first match on, in the promotion would be a 30-minute draw with Dustin Rhodes at Halloween Havoc. Uh, to my knowledge, DiBiase is about to retire, too. Or, no, sorry, yeah. I think he just had his last match at SummerSlam with Razor Ramon. Hey, a 30-minute draw between uh, an over-the-hill Ted DiBiase and, and Dustin Rhodes at Halloween Havoc? Shut up and take my money! And they had that feud in WWE a couple of years prior to this, too. Really? Yeah, well, it kind of started with Dustin, and then Jesse got involved and became a tag match. DiBiase and Virgil against them. I didn't know that Dustin Rhodes was ever in WWF. Yeah, it's basically where he started. Huh. Sure, he had some time, like, at least mainstream. I... He was sitting front row, and then DiBiase was, like, punking him around because he's Dusty's kid. I am today's years old. I had no idea. I thought his first appearance in WWF was his gold dust. But uh, last WCW story I got here, with Ted Turner buying New Line Cinema, the movie company that Hulk Hogan is signed to, Turner is now technically Hogan's employer. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. That's uh, something. 
and and that's the only time that's as close as they would ever get to working together ever. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we well, no, some... I mean, Mike Graham's the one who got it all together. Though, remember? Oh, well, I told yeah. Him to Hogan. Well, yeah, he told him, and then Greg Gagne made it happen, and they both created the NWO. And Greg Gagne was the one that taught Hulk Hogan how to rip a shirt. I, Shut you know, up. It's all right there, black and white, okay? I'm ashamed of my name, brethren. <laughs> uh, for those some guy that, in Troy do some douchebaggy? Damn, why is it going to be just me? Uh, I mean, there's Eric Watts when he was Troy of uh, Techno yeah, Team 2000. Okay, okay, I got, you got me. Yes, that's bad enough. I don't know, I always thought that was awesome. I, I love being associated with that, but... I don't know. Uh, I will say, uh, any, again, Dark Side of the Ring, they did one on the Grams. That one was sad as hell, man. That one was right up there with... It's not quite... It's not as dark... I guess dark in a different way than the uh, Grizzly Smith, Jake the Snake one from last season. That was the worst one, probably. Yeah. It was like all kinds of disgusting. But this one was dark as hell, man, because you think... Uh, there was it's Eddie like right through the Von Erichs, obviously, but yeah, right. Yeah, because he Eddie Graham's dad committed suicide. Eddie Graham committed suicide. Mike Graham's son committed suicide, and then Mike Graham committed suicide. And it's what, it's like, bad. what is in like genes that make people do that? I mean, I know they say some when families all do that. Like, what the hell is it? How do we extract that? I don't know, man. It's weird. Uh, and then, I mean, he wasn't a like blood relative Graham, but the one that started it all with the Graham name was uh, Vince McMahon's favorite wrestler, Dr. Jerry Graham, and he was a nut. Like They talked about how he, when his mom was in the hospital dying, he threatened the doctor and said she'd better, uh, she'd better survive when she passed away. He comes charging into the, into the hospital all loaded up with a bunch of guns, bl- blasting him off. Then he picks up his mom and carries her out of the hospital. Yeah, that part, like, wow, man. Yeah. I knew he was nutty. I, I swear I heard something about that story in the past, but that just, that was crazy. Like, I get, I get to the point where I like, being at the hospital, a loved one's dying, I, and you're upset. I get it, but that's where that ends for me. Yeah, like, right. Come back with guns? Like, like, they didn't kill her, okay? Yeah. And then he's like, He's like, oh, I just want to bury her. It's like, they'll give you the body you know, back, bro. You know you're going to be able to, right? Yeah. They, they don't keep the body. <laughs> they, like, they don't want it. Either way, uh, speaking of craziness. I know this is getting too into the weeds here, but you're going to go bury a body that hasn't been embalmed yet? I mean, oh, God. But, yeah, right. But Todd Gordon's upstart Eastern Championship Wrestling put on a show <laughs> oh, with... Oh, man. Put on a show with massive buzz on September 18th with the largest attendance in the history of the company and rave reviews from everyone. During the show, That's Gilbert, change. during the show, Eddie Gilbert turned himself babyface, leaving the promotion and his booking <laughs> position. What's his name? The the King of Memphis. Uh, he, oh, he his left name the, is Hot Stuff, Eddie Gilbert. I can't believe you missed that again. Yeah, yeah. But he left the promotion sure and. Him and his booking position to be replaced by Paul Heyman. If I may, sir. And that isn't going to go anywhere or be weird for anyone. 
and everyone's going. It's going to work out for everyone. Exactly. Uh, this story, I was like, oh man, I got to include it. It's like one story out of Japan, but it's like, okay, this makes sense. But Shinya Hashimoto won the IWGP World Heavyweight Title from Great Muda on September 20th in Nogawa, or Nagoya, excuse me. Uh, since Muda is wrestling Hulk Hogan and doing a and doing the job pretty soon, because of this, it makes no sense to have the champion eating the leg drop. Yeah, I, I mean, I I can see that. Why do you want? Uh, oh, we're gonna bring in Hulk Hogan. He's not gonna stick around, and we're gonna have, and we're gonna job out the world champion to him. Like that that's kind of stupid. Like put the belt on somebody else. Plus, that you, know, actually, you, should, you should put the belt on, put it on a pole, bro. Exactly. And plus, uh, Great Muda versus Hulk Hogan doesn't need a belt, so that that's attraction enough. Anybody who hasn't seen their match, by the way, go check it out. It's awesome, and it's hilarious. We were just talking about the reverse of this, but Hulk Hogan comes out well, to real American blaring. Jimmy Hart's in a red, white, and blue jacket, like airbrush jacket, waving the stars and stripes, and that Japanese crowd is losing their mind. It's funny where so, you go, like, like Canada, screw them. Screw America. Japan, yeah. Yeah, Japan. I, would, like, I literally yeah, think it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, right. But then, um, and more recently than yeah, that. Yeah, by 1973, everyone's over World War II, so it's fine. Yeah. Except for my well, grandfather. Uh, a couple of, uh, a, a few years ago, there was a world title feud between uh, Tanahashi and I can't even remember. Uh, white, uh, what white guy he was taking on from America, whatever, but like, or it might have been, it might have been, uh, Kenny Omega, actually. It was either Omega or it was, um, Jay White, one of the, it, it was a white guy, I know that. But his whole thing was like, you're not Japanese, so you don't deserve our world title. And like, that was the whole feud. And I'm like, That's, wow. Uh, lovely. Yeah, it's like, so this whole thing is built on Tanahashi's racist. Got it. So what? Uh, Brock and AJ and Kurt Angle. Yeah, he are there any exceptions was, or what? Well, he was basically saying like, I'm tired of you know these non-Japanese people coming over here and taking our titles. It's like, good God! Like he might as well just his promo was basically they took our germs. They took our uh, however you say that in Japanese. I got you right here. <laughs> this is how you say the secret jobs in Japanese. <laughs> oh my god. That's hilarious. <laughs> ah. Getting to the indies here to close things out. Tatanka went through Memphis and won the USWA title from Jerry Lawler for a week, leading to a legendary Vince McMahon promo where he wore the belt under his suit while cutting a promo against Lawler. And as we all know, this is the last time we will see a heel Vince McMahon ever. Right. But moving over to uh, Jim Cornette's territory here, Bullet Bob Armstrong lost a Loser Leaves Smoky Mountain Wrestling Forever match to the Mysterious... Yeah, that's a, that's a death sentence, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah, right? Your career's over at that point. But he lost to the mysterious Black Ninja, who is played by his own son, Brian, who is not black nor a ninja. Who will never get over, by the way. Exactly. Wasn't that a story on one of our last shows? 
well, in his defense, he never said he will never get over. He just said in his debut match, nobody gave a damn, which maybe. I mean, I didn't give a damn about Brian Armstrong, so. That was uh, a bad kind of guy. Exactly. He was where the money was at. But either way, this Whenever was a major. Whenever you heard music, man, you knew who was going to win. The other guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but this was a major letdown of a mystery opponent. Uh, and now. You don't say. Bob Armstrong will be doing the bullet gimmick shortly. That's it. That's the old territory gimmick where oh you lose a you lost a loser leave town match so you come back with a with a mask on everybody knows it's you and you call yourself something else for more maybe, recent, maybe you resurrect that with Mister America. Yeah, I was gonna say for more recent uh, reference to that yeah Mister America Hulk Hogan, but according to uh, Bruce Pritchard he said they dropped that sooner than they wanted to because Vince hated it and thought it was stupid. Well, is anybody going like, to disagree with that? He was like, I don't get it. He's like, well, who did? A, I mean, I'm like a diehard fan of his. I don't want to see that crap. I thought it was kind of funny. And my thing is, funny, if you're yes, but is there longevity and funny? Well, if anybody's, uh, if anybody's a wrestling historian, you'll know. Or if you grew up through the 90s, they, they did this gimmick a few times. Dusty Rhodes did this with, uh, he came back as uh, the Midnight Rider. Midnight Rider. And then, uh, hilariously revived in TNA, by the way. Yes. <laughs> uh, Junkyard Dog uh, did that gimmick. I can't remember who that is. Did the giant st- oh. with that ninja or a assassin? Was it assassin? It was a giant ninja. Or yeah, no, giant. no, no, giant, giant machine. That was it. Was that one yes. of them, though? Uh, I don't think that was the thing. He just, I mean, like, everybody knew it was him. But I don't know how, but I thought he yeah. did well. Uh, yeah, Junkyard Dog with Stagger Lee. Uh, what was the, the Boogie Woogie? Stagger Lee was... Marshall. Is that where that comes from? Got it. Okay. Yeah, Just maybe. figure that out. Yeah. Uh, who was um, who's the Boogie Woogie Man? You remember uh, Valiant? Uh, it was, Jimmy Valiant? Yeah. Jimmy Valiant. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Valiant. He came back as Charlie Brown from out of town. Uh, you and I reviewed a show where they did that with Brian Pillman. He came back as the Yellow Dog. That yeah, was and weird. Jim Ross gives it away on live TV. Yeah. And he comes <laughs> out to he comes out to Brian Pillman's music. He does Brian Pillman's <laughs> moves. And then, yeah, Jim Ross flat out calls him Flying Brian multiple times. Like, what the? F- That's not a Flying Brian. Wow, people say he looks like him. Oh, my God. You've already blown it, dude. Yeah, right. <laughs> I thought the Mr. America thing was clever. I kind of liked it. I was like, wow, that's a revitalization of a super old gimmick. But yeah, that's what Black they were Scorpion doing. wasn't one of them, right? No, that was just a red. That was they had nobody to. It was just all kinds of stupid. Got it. Yeah. But speaking of which, SMW starts on Channel America in October for those with C-band satellite dishes. You said no a lot of crap. I have no no knowledge of. Channel America? Yeah, yeah. on C band satellite. I'm following the number. One, two, three, four, five, America, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Well, how's that work? I, Channel America. I, <laughs> I don't know, but I never had a satellite dish growing up that was like always. I remember uh, there were TV shows that always talked about that. It's like, oh, I got a satellite. I can pick up all these channels. Like, we didn't, we just had like cable and whatever. And so I don't know what a C band satellite dish is. I'm assuming yeah. you pick up. Was a little sh- I forget where I saw it, but he goes, 
I didn't know there was a game on. I got a satellite dish. There's always a game on. <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. But going to Texas, GFW, or excuse me, GWF drew about 238 paid with 750 in the building. <laughs> yeah. This is now uh, known as AEW, folks. Yeah. Well, uh, that's for their latest show. This would seem to be an improvement over drawing 70 paid and 1,500 freebies oh in the God. building. But in fact, they lost APW in San Francisco gets more than that. Yep. Uh, but they actually lost money with more paid but less showing up because we think about it, uh, 1,500 people are still paying for parking in concessions. So it's easier to make more money than 230 paying for their seats. I could see that. We just covered a show. Uh, it was Great American Bash 2004. And don't direct crap. people to that. We don't want to crap on our listeners. Oh, uh, yeah, no, go listen to it. Go check it out. We made it fun. Uh, what was the show before that? Was it Judgment Day? Before? The one we did or the one in actuality? It, no, well, the one we did, it was. We definitely did Judgment Day before, and that was before it. But Okay, so, and that was, that was JBL versus Eddie? Yeah, part one. Okay. Okay, so Judgment Day 04 and Great American Bash 04. We talked about how JBL sucked. They did. But we talked about how JBL's whole gimmick there was like, uh, you know, anti-Mexico and uh, super racist and all that stuff. Well, he comes by it honestly, Greg, because John Hawk got the insensitivity award of the week with a promo where he said, quote, the Freebirds are gone, and all the Von Erics are dead, so I'm taking over. God. Uh, Carrie's daughter was actually, or daughters were actually at the show backstage when he cut this promo. Was all the way live Lacey there? Uh, maybe. Is that Carrie's daughter? Is- I believe so. Yep. Okay. But yeah, so he knew. They were backstage, and he you know, still dropped you know, this line. If you would have just said that the uh, Bonaires were gone and the Freebirds were dead, it might have actually been better. Yeah, or just say, oh, all all the big star, you know, the Freebirds and Von Erics are all gone now, so you know, whatever. But nope, Ugh. that's pretty disgusting. Last story. Speaking of dark side of the ring, though, there you go, Von Erics. We talked about it earlier. That was one of the first ones. But, that might be the most depressing one. Only because yeah. you still see one still alive and you just tell what pain's going through. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah, there's that one. I Yeah, that's up there with the... Well, and I just talked about it, the Graham episode because they had Mike Graham's daughter on there who lost her grandpa, her brother, and her dad. And she's, like, putting on a happy face and trying to be positive about life, whatever. But it's like, you know, it like she said, it still hurts, obviously. You did say she went and got help, too, to make sure she doesn't have that... Uh, Need for suicide. Exactly. But last story I got here. This is going to play into something great in about two years, man. Dagger Lee again. Big John Stud is training a former basketball player named Ron Reese, who is a legit 72. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I said. About two years, man. He's going to be dressed like a mummy. Named the Yete. He's going to foot buck Hulk Hogan in the middle of the <laughs> ring on pay-per-view. Oh, my God. Oh, this is real, folks. None of this yep. is made up. He's going to make a Hulk 95. Hogan. I believe this in the archives. 
Uh, maybe. Let me let me double check our archives here. There's no way we didn't do that monster truck match because I know I watched it. Right. Uh, we did not do ninety five. We done ninety one. How the hell did we not do it? We just haven't. But we did watch. We did watch the the monster truck sumo match. It is on our YouTube. That's why. Okay, I think I watched it for that, and then I'm watching the whole event. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, it's uh. Because I'm a fan uh, of self torture. When I'm depressed, I put on WCW '95 shows. Exactly, and this one was a doozy. It's, it's better than cutting yourself. Hey, you had the giant in the front, the Yeti in the back, and they made a Hulk Hogan sandwich. You just dry hump that mother effer. Fuck, butt bucked him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, butt buck. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, the giant walked up. He's like, I'm going to put some strawberry lip gloss on you, boy, and make you my woman. And, by the way, this was after uh, the giant just came back from the dead. After, uh, yeah. well, they kept saying get thrown off Kobo Hall, but he really just fell. Yeah. We got to go see that, by the way. I mean, we, oh, yeah. we did see it. Sorry. Exactly. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> We're not uh, we don't. Exactly. But anyway, that does it for the news and notes. Ready to get into the event here. No. Ah, you're you're not like champing at the bit here, ready to get into into all. Oh, uh, you know, you sent me something off air. Obviously, I I didn't disagree with you. I didn't hate it, but man, it was uh, yeah. Yeah, well, Uncle Dave sure did, and we'll get into that. But come on, man, it's it's Fall Brawl '93. <laughs> Celebrate! <laughs> We're gonna get into it right after this break. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Hey gang, it's Commissioner Cooper of TSS Fantasy. We are the fantasy show of the people. Expert fantasy advice, free contests, leading expert medical and legal analysis, and most importantly, you. Interact with us on all social media platforms or check us out at tssfantasy.com. You can hear us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many more. Check out the fun today and be a part of the most interactive fantasy show around. TSS Fantasy, the fantasy show of the people. Hello, everyone. My name is Ryan McCarthy, and I'm the host of the No Credentials Required podcast. Start your work week with the Monday Drop-In, where I talk about the sports beat in the Capital District, also known as the Mighty 518, as well as Metro New York sports from an upstate point of view. I also give a life lesson from a weekly sports story, so you might learn something from that. I also have a midweek podcast where I interview different sports personalities and talk about a wide array of topics. Take a listen and subscribe on your preferred podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Also, check out our social media channels on Twitter and Instagram, BellyUpNCR, and Facebook.com forward slash BellyUpSportsNCR. We're a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network in association with Godzilla Media. No credentials required, where you don't need a press pass to talk sports. event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on youtube find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks and we're back we're back it's wcw fall brawl 93 war games the date 
was September 19th. And he was on the show. Yeah, opening match. How about that? For once, it's not uh, Johnny B. Bad. But this took place September 19th, 1993. Tagline, one will rise, one will fall. Roll. See what they did there? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but this took place at the Astro Arena in Houston, Texas. Uh, I, think I don't you know can what the s- hell that is. Yeah. Well, you're not going to say F the Astros? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm- but they, they weren't uh, a huge rival at the time. They were in the NL this time, so... Yeah, well, now they're not, but yeah. But the attendance for this was 6,000. I swear to God, the ECW show we did last week had 6,000 in it. But the buy rate for this was 0.46, which amounted to 95,000 buys. Ouch. But we go to commentary to start the show. We've got Tony Skivone with Jesse the Body Ventura. They send it to Eric Bischoff who then sends it back to the ring where Michael Buffer is randomly going to announce the opening match. Didn't see that one coming. They must have slipped him a couple extra dollars for this one. <laughs> but this opening match, it is Lord Steven Regal with Sir William defending the WCW World Television title against Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. It goes 17 minutes, 5 seconds. I know you're all thinking this is going to be crap. Well, you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, in the end, Steamboat gets tossed over the top rope, holds on, and attempts to skin the cat. However, uh, Regal distracts the ref as uh, Sir William blasts Ricky in the head with the with his umbrella. This leads to Regal hitting a bridging German suplex on Steamboat for the win. Uncle Dave said that this was a, quote, boring match that the crowd didn't react to at all. He gave it one and three quarter stars. I gave it mm, probably two and a half, three stars, somewhere in that range. What say you? I, I gave it three. I love this. Yeah, I gave it three, but then I'm like sitting there doubting myself after like, I'm like yeah, did you got to rate this. I think I've done that. Yeah. I'm like, did I overrate this? Was See, it- I'm thinking the same thing when you tell me douchebag gave it one. Oh, yeah. I love this. Match. Yeah. I thought it was great. Okay, what shaved off a quarter of a star? Uh, you couldn't even give it two? When Regal missed okay. that punch, he punched the air. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But we now go to Eric Bischoff on stage, or on a stage in the crowd with the or Nasty Boys. calls him Eric Bischoff. <laughs> uh, Eric is asked the Nasties what their big surprise is tonight. Sags says that two of the four horsemen will find out here soon enough. Nobbs then says that they're going to win with a bulldog off the top. This was great use of pay-per-view time right here. Uh, speaking of great Why use of pay-per-view time. Oh, I don't know, Greg. Because uh, F me, right? F me, right? <laughs> That's why. Uh, but speaking of great uses of pay-per-view time. Up next, it is Big Sky versus Charlie Norris. Right. This goes about four and a half minutes. My first note, WTF was this match. Yeah. For anybody wondering, oh, first of all, Big Sky is the guy who would go on to play Sabretooth in the very first X-Men movie. Uh, Charlie Norris, whatever picture you have in your mind when I say that name, you're wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh. I will... 
I will say at least Big Sky looked like something. I don't know if he could have ever went hey, on to do it. That's exactly what Cornette says about uh, uh, Omega. See, yeah. Looks like a wrestler, at least. Right. Well, I got to ask, was Charlie Norris the WCW answer to Tatanka? Definitely. Yeah, for people that don't know, he's a Native American guy. Where's the whole garb and dances around? And the Native else? American Charlie Norris. Exactly. And, and my other thing is, and if so, why didn't they give him a gimmick name instead of the whitest damn name of all time? <laughs> Charlie Norris. Because they were going to call him Chuck Norris. They're going to go something like, matches <laughs> Chuck. Charlie, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, as we all know, the famous Native American, Chuck Norris. Good God. He's a proud Texas boy, so that's close enough. Yeah. Well, Norris does an awful fire up at one point, hits a pump kick, and wins. And Uncle Dave's. Yeah. Uncle Dave said, quote, When everyone in the promotion is a big guy, two more big guys are not special. And especially when Norris is trying to get over as a big guy and they match him up with someone three inches taller. And well, you got to give it to him on this one, dude. It's not wrong. I, I, you know, for all the things we can say, he's not wrong. He gave this a dud. I gave it a star. Let's say you. Yeah, one. This might have been the it, worst match of the night. Yeah, it's uh, certainly knocking on that door. <laughs> But we now go back to commentary for a while before sending it to some guy named Scott Dunlap standing by with the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. Even Jesse says, who? Who? Speaks for us all, man. I did, yep. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, oh, we're going to send it to Scott Dunlap. And he goes, who? <laughs> uh, I will say Scott Dunlap is very clearly handicapped, so I'm not going to like I'm not going to talk crap. He actually did pretty good, like, because... But, like, you could, was this, like, a, a favor to somebody or something? That's what I'm wondering, because I don't think I mean, I'm not, see him not knocking it at all, but, like, I go back to, like, the, the very first AEW show with the guy with no legs. Like, is this a favor to somebody? Or are you just doing yeah. this, like, just to get some eyeballs? That's disgusting, too. Yeah. Well, I, I will say... This, uh, like, he's he's doing pretty good at the job. Like, I mean, it doesn't require a whole lot, whatever, but he he said what he needed to say. He held the mic properly. He sent it back to the ring. I mean, you know, he uh, he timed it out all right. So it, it was it was fine. No big issues here. Also, the promo itself, Davy Boy just kind of talks about his partners and puts them over, talks about how threatening his opponents are. Woohoo. Again, wasted time. Davy Boy Smith and, and Ball Brawl will always be intertwined. Stuff yeah. like this, and because of the incident with his back. Unfortunately. Well, this event was just not for you, dude. Yeah, right. First you get the Shockmaster, <laughs> and then you get a near-career-ending injury. Yikes. But It can be said that that injury did, and it's great. You only got a few matches after. Yep. But, speaking of wasting pay-per-view time, up next, we have... Paul Orndorff and The Equalizer, who, to anybody who doesn't know, that's the future Dave slash Evad Sullivan. Uh, and they're taking uh, on the... Yep, that's, that was lovely when he started making fun of handicapped people. And at the same time, autistic people. People don't realize that. They hit them both with it. That's my... Yeah. 
that's some uh, uh, skill right there. Be able to take down two things with one, uh, you know, two birds, one stone. Yeah, they, he's he's on the spectrum. Like if, like you said, it's like autism or something. I don't know. They don't actually say, but y- you can tell. <sighs> and they but, exploit. Right. Great. So they're taking on the team of Two Cold Scorpio and Marcus Alexander Bagwell. This goes at 10 minutes, 46 seconds. I was upset that Marcus didn't clap his hands above his head, but, you know, whatever. It's coming. That's three gimmicks from now. <laughs> Thank God. You still got to be the uh, Stars and Stripes. Oh, maybe only be two from now. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and who who couldn't love that song? It's just guys droning American males, American males. Like, that's I'm poetry. Shocked he didn't win some kind of uh, Grammy or something. It should have. Right up there with the Sting song that says, he does this, he does that. Yeah, but other uh, than that part, though, it's a great song. American Girls just suck. It is, yeah. Ugh. But in the end, uh, the Equalizer is holding Bagwell. Bagwell moves, and uh, uh, no! And Orndorff accidentally hits a high knee lift on Equalizer. I can't believe it. A high him out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bagwell then takes Orndorff out as Scorpio hits a 450 splash on the Equalizer for a pinfall win. Uncle Dave said, quote, Equalizer killed the match single-handedly <laughs> and then got pinned for the finish. And then... The... Yep. Uh, although this match is pretty dead anyway, but he, he also says, and that then the... Block. And then the heels laid out the baby faces afterwards, which makes total sense given the fact that the baby faces are challenging for the tag titles at Havoc. <laughs> uh, I, when you put it that way, it's even dumber. But he gave I it a star. together, honestly. Yeah. Well, he gave it a star and a half. I gave it dose. Let's see you. Yeah, I gave it one. Well, after the match, this is what, I, what Dave was referring to. Uh, Equalizer and Paul Orndorff attack Scorpio from behind and then beat both him and Bagwell down before leaving. <sighs> we now go to... Eric- it's funny. If you looked at Equalizer, it looks like you'd be some kind of int- intimidating thing. Yeah. It's like, no, we're going to make you uh, mentally handicapped and spell your name backwards because that's funny. And that's money. I, f- I feel like if you gimmicked him up a little bit, or uh, you know whatever, and just had him like a like a secondary at ringside, you know, like a like a bodyguard or something. Like nine one one or something. Yeah, that could have worked. Yeah, I feel like that that could have been all right. Yeah, because he looked. In, what in their like minds? Said, like would they like if he shouldn't do this to anybody, but with him, said, "Oh, this big dude. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna poke fun at mentally disabled people." And what in their minds said that's what they should do? You know what I mean? Well, f- well, that was bad enough. And then on top of that, they felt like Kevin Sullivan was so over that he needed to sprinkle a little a little Kevin Sullivan dust on this guy <laughs> to help him get over. I forgot about that. He was Evad oh. Sullivan, that's right. Yeah. Oh, well, Kevin Sullivan's over, right? So he needs a brother. Maybe if we name him Sullivan, he'll be over too. Like, dude, Kevin Sullivan's not over, and neither is Dave. Well, people enough, talk about like... him in Florida as if he was some kind of god. Ironically, probably well, better worth that, but... <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know, Greg, uh, Butch Reed was over as hell in Florida. So, yeah. just saying. For people that don't know, that's a running joke on the Bruce Pritchard podcast. They always say that, uh, well, you know, Bruce uh, Butch Reed that's is why, over as hell in Florida. 
That's why they picked him up with WWE, right? I guess so. Them rippling muscles. God dang it, pal. Look at him. Not, not to poke holes in logic here, but he was so over in Florida that they put him in WWE and he had to have Slick as his manager. Because when you're yeah. over, you need a manager. Uh, maybe he couldn't talk. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. Because normally you put a mouthpiece with a guy that can't cut a promo. But we now go back to Eric Bischoff and his forever falling out earpiece. At least I'm assuming because he keeps shoving it up in his oh, ear. Oh, yeah, I caught that. Did like you see Jesse the earring or something? Hey, it's like just, it's like uh, if anybody watches like um, like on <laughs> like news reports, like on movies or whatever, where they're like, let's go to so and so out in the field. And they like got their finger in their ear. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm picking you up. And did you notice that every time he adjusts his earpiece, he kept like like shrugging his shoulders, like trying to get his jacket back on? Like, just, you know, he's got to adjust that. So adjust everything else, too. <laughs> I did not catch that. But wow. Uh, he was a mess tonight. But he's standing by with Lord Stephen Regal and Sir William. William says that they're flying out of there ASAP. And Regal claims that he's an honorable gentleman that will defend his title against anyone. And Regal looks like a baby here. It's insane. He still has not aged that much from here to now. But he aged pretty gracefully, especially for all the barbiturates he's put in his system. He's aged regally. I get it. I get it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but up next, uh, you might you might have spoke too soon to that worst match of the night, man. Yeah, once I up, said that, I looked at my notes and I'm like, oh, wait. But yeah, I'm going to stick with it, though. I'm going to stick with it. Well, this is Shanghai Pierce and Tech, Sla- or Tex Slasinger uh, taking on Ice Train in about three and a half minutes. You want to tell them who the Tex and... Uh... Shanghai. Shanghai. Shanghai, the Japanese name by or Chinese name by the way, for the, for the southern yeah, right. white guy. Yep. So I had it completely reversed, by the way. Shanghai Pierce is Hog, Henry O'Godwin. Uh whereas oh, thank God, Sla- I'm glad you fixed that. Yeah. And Tex Slazinger is uh Phineas I. Godwin, aka Pig. See, Henry came into the WWF. Uh, what, I just whole got year? his debut, by the way. Yeah. Well, he came in, what, a year or two years before Phineas? Uh, let's see. I'm rolling up to WrestleMania 11. Phineas is definitely on his team at WrestleMania 12 in the pre-show, so about a year. Yeah. So he, uh, he, came, into the, he came into the WWF alone, and then they decided, hey, that guy you used to team up with in that who gives a crap team a couple of years ago in WCW, <laughs> we'll bring him in. Team you up again. Well, they they became friends with somebody who you really want to be friends with, so there's that. Yeah, well, that's true. (laughs) Well, that's my other thing, was like, like, how did this go? Did WWF go, God dang it, pal, we need to give you, we need to give you a tag team partner and make you, make you a baby face? Or was it uh, that Henry was like pulling for this the whole time? He was like, hey, uh, I got a buddy who needs a job, you could bring him in and team him up with me. I can tell you right now, though, that the crowd didn't give a damn about him when he came out. Phineas? No, I haven't got that part yet. No, Henry got Oh, him. about Henry? Yeah. Why would they? Oh. Well, he came out like armor. in that, he came out like some, like, uh, oh, what's the name of that movie with Burt Reynolds? Uh, Deliverance. Uh, Deliverance. He came out some Deliverance music. And... <laughs> yeah. It was, like, really wah, slow and wah, stuff, too. Wah. So bad. Yeah. You don't say. 
I I uh I was sort I'm looking for uh guilty pleasure like kind of like the Godwins, but Henry alone was just terrible. I think that Henry was uh was a good wrestler. I'll stand by that. But yeah, it's like when he debuted, it it was just. You just saw his debut vignettes. He was like on the farm working with pigs and walking in the uh, slop and everything. Yeah. Oh, man. 1995, the occupational gimmick here. Yep. We're getting into this match, though. I got to ask, what the hell is an ice train? I don't know, but yeah, Justice went off here. Hold on here. <laughs> ice tra- uh, I don't know. That sounds like uh, I'm not trying to be funny, but like a crack train is not what they call crack ice. Good Lord. I was thinking more like uh, if anybody's seen that movie Snowpiercer or the show. Put these two behemoths in a submission match because when I think of ice train, I think of a f-ing submission match. Well, I think of, of course, train, I think of a uh, handicap match. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, you know what Ice Train looks like right here, though? He looks like uh, he could be Will Hobbs' father or something. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> Good God. Oh, uh, that's Ice, pretty that's ice big Train dude. Hobbs. <laughs> yeah. He's a pretty big dude, but not like, you know, overweight. It's like, almost like right. Keith Lee in a way. He right. kind of is overweight, but like this, like, Train looked like, just like Jack, you know, like a man. <laughs> dude, he came, it was so dumb. He would come to the ring and just stop every couple of feet and go, woo! Like a train. <laughs> you know what it was kind of rip off of? If you go back and look, was uh, Tugboat. Oh, yeah. Well, ironically, uh, I don't want to get ahead, but. <laughs> yeah, right. <sighs> well, anyway, in the end, Tex gets on the apron for a double clothesline, but Ice Train breaks that clothesline, power slams Shanghai, and pins him to win. This match could have easily went on for at least another 10 minutes. How dare they end it so soon? Three and a half minutes? That's criminal. No. Looking, this was criminal. Uh, but Uncle Dave Did said, you know that some of the crowd just didn't give a damn? They're like, look yeah. all over, like, when's the next match start? So you're meaning to tell me the crowds never gave a damn ever about these guys? Is that what you're telling me? That's what I'm telling you. Uh, but like, I've seen the- them, like, Eating their food and like looking up, like waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Well, Uncle Dave said, quote, Ice Train is painfully not ready for this. And he gave it negative star. Uh, I gave it one and a half stars. What say you? Yeah, I gave it one. Still not as bad as that, uh, is that uh, uh, Sky Norris, but. Ah, uh, man, I don't know. <laughs> that one's debatable. After the match, Pierce and Slasinger get in the ring to attack Ice Train, but Ice Train beats them away like a real effing man. We now get a promo for Halloween Havoc 1993, which is a snoozer of an event, how we mentioned earlier. Wasn't that we the then... one pull back the curtain that we recorded and said, F*** this, no, we're not doing this. Yeah, I mentioned that at the top of the no. show, actually. That was, yeah, we pulled it. <laughs> uh, we've never done that before or since, by the way. It was so but, bad. Recorded, like, I don't think I want to air this. It was yeah, like so it, bad, you're not even having fun recording it. That's never happened. Was, right. And it wasn't that the show was necessarily bad. It was just boring. Which may be worse. Like you said, even the bad ones we can have fun with, this was just boring. But we now go back to commentary for like two damn minutes before the next match. 
Why? It's not a cage match or anything, so. Yeah, well, why? Me, right? That's why. Because uh, something happened, made that last match go quick. Had to go home quick, so got to fill some time. What are you? What are you missing here? Yeah, it's it's called cardio. That's what made him wrap it up earlier. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But the next match is the Four Horsemen of Arn Anderson and Paul Roma. Defending uh, the job guy from WB? <laughs> yes. Uh, defending the WCW World Tag Team titles uh, against the Nasty Boys, Jerry Sags and Brian Nobbs with Missy Hyatt. She's okay, a surprise. My first question is, who keeps hiring the Nasty Boys? Uh... Apparently, they're, as you like to say, they're charming sons of bitches. <laughs> and, by the way, this one goes for about 24 minutes. 24 minutes of agonizing hell. Yeah. Well, I will say, Missy Hyatt right here was looking all the way live. Tony Schiavone, though, when she comes out, he says, oh, I'd recognize that walk anywhere. And Jesse says... I recognize those pecs. <laughs> oh, man. I gotta but, be on Jesse's side on this one. Yep. I can't believe Anderson and Roma were freaking tag team champions, by the way. I'm today years old. I learned a lot on this show. But I, I couldn't believe that Roma was ever a champion. Right. But it's weird that the Nasties are the heels and the Horsemen are the faces. Like, that one just, like, didn't click right with me. But this one was pretty slow. Started to pick up a little bit after a while. Behind the referee's back, Arn gets hit or er, gets hit with a chair in the back uh, from the back. one of the nasty boys. Uh, there was a there were a ton of shenanigans in this one here. I I know I was shocked too. Uh, Arn hits a spinebuster on Knobs, followed by a splash from Roma. Then Sags hits a diving forearm onto Roma's back and then rolls him over and puts Knobs on top of him. The pinfall win Giggity. for the world tag titles. Uncle Dave said, quote, a fan stole the show with a sign that read, hey, Missy, did you buy them? And Jesse, <laughs> I missed this. Apparently, Jesse Ventura legit cracked up for several minutes over that one. I didn't catch <laughs> I was, that. I tuned out a commentary, so I don't know. He also said match was long and boring. No one likes Roma, so getting heat on him is impossible. <laughs> uh, Nasty's cheated to win, and Roma once again looks pathetic in the position he has no business being in. Ouch. Was, it, was this Dave? Yes. Oh. He's on fire on this one, huh? Yeah, right. In the words of Kelso from that 70s show, burn! <laughs> uh, Uncle Dave No, gave no, the... you have to matter to get burned. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, Uncle Dave gave this one and a quarter stars. I actually gave it wait, two and a half. Wait, too many. I thought it was average. I didn't hate this match. Had no heat. I thought it was okay. I'll say you. I gave it one because I was bored as hell. Freaking Paul Roma, man. The job guy from Davey? I will never forget <laughs> that. Ever. Yeah, yeah, right. That was that was a great line from the, again, from the Four Horsemen DVD. But Jesse Ventura stops Missy Hyatt and the Nasty Boys to say uh, for Missy to say that she shocked the world by showing up with them and that uh, the horsemen are going down and now the nasty boys rule the tag team wrestling world whoop-de-doo 
nasty boys, really? Is it ironic that uh, Brian Knob said something about the sweet smell of victory? I didn't catch that. Yeah. <laughs> We're now showing a recap of the Lost in Cleveland storyline for Cactus oh, Jack. Oh, this. Oh, for man. That, for people that don't know, so Vader powerbombed him really hard on the concrete floor, and then nobody could find Cactus Jack. And they they had some reporter lady going around and asking people, where's Cactus Jack? Where is he? And she finally find I don't know why she was in Cleveland looking around a, an overpass or whatever. But she because, finds... Because, you know, if you're from Truth or Consequences in New Mexico, you're going to go take refuge in Cleveland. Everyone knows that. God, you're yeah, stupid. Right. Yeah, uh, under an overpass. <laughs> but she finds a shaved Cactus Jack living with uh, homeless people and looking dirty. And he doesn't know who he is, and he lost his so mind. So now we're focusing on homeless people, or showcasing, I should say. Well, okay. homeless, homeless people and uh, making fun of people with uh, amnesia, I guess. But, yeah, he says, I don't know who I, I, I don't know that name, Cactus Jack. That's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. And he has no recollection of anything. They bring a woman and her kid up, and she's like, I'm your wife. This is your son. You don't know us? And he's like, I don't know who the hell you are. And... Now, we see that he ran in as Cactus Jack again after, because apparently he was like sending Harley Race, the manager of Vader, he was sending him cactuses in the mail. Aha. That's uh, clever. Yeah. <laughs> how do you, I, I want to know how you send a cactus in the mail safely, but either way, uh, that's the least of the story. Where do you get cactuses at in Cleveland? Uh, well, Cleveland cactuses are us. Oh, okay. But either way, he runs out, Cactus Jack, that is, pronouns, pal. Pronouns, pal. He runs out randomly to attack Vader. He's back. He knows who he is. And now we go to this promo where he's, like, on the streets again, and he's telling everybody that it, that was all fake. He never really lost his memory, and he fooled everyone. You're all idiots. <laughs> he says, no, you're an idiot if you bought this. Yeah. He says it's funny to see the venue, or he didn't say. Uh, let me rephrase it. Uh, I said it's funny to see the venue behind him. That was like uh, some rundown concert venue with torn up Smashing Pumpkins posters. <laughs> like, uh, wow, that band is old. <laughs> I did not realize. Isn't it ironic that uh, how we started this pod with you know, NWA stuff and one of the Smashing Pumpkins is going to own that thing, right? <laughs> But up next, this is the match we all really wanted to see come out of this feud. It's Yoshi Kwan. Right. With Harley Race taking on Cactus Jack in a bounty match. (sighs) What the hell is a bounty match? Well, apparently it means jack shit because... I'll get to it here in a second, but the match goes like about three and a half minutes. So, you know, a barn burner classic. Uh, so Harley Race keeps showing off some little bag that he has, and apparently that's on the line. But they said, if you win the match, you don't get the bag. If you win the match, then you have to get the bag away from Harley Race. So what's the point of the match? Hot potato. Yeah. Hey, if you win, we'll give you a chance to get the bag away. Like, why don't you just get it before the match or after? Like, oh, God. (laughs) This hurts my head. The stipulation is meaningless, man. As opposed to all the meaningful stipulations they have. 
By the way, if anybody can tell me, not that it's a big deal, but uh, if anybody can tell me what the F is in that bag. What's in the bag? <laughs> God. Yeah, because commentary doesn't even know. They're like, we don't even know what's in that bag. It's like, that's sad. Well, if Harley Race is going to control, I'm going to say some Kansas City barbecue sauce or something. Yeah, or some uh, some some of the good puff. <laughs> That's my weed bag. It's small enough so I can smuggle it in uh, very tight spaces if you catch my drift. My prison pocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. By the way, I don't know if this needs to be said. Yoshi Kwan is so damn racist. You don't say. I think, I don't know, I think this guy is white. It was Chris Champions. I think it was, yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, that's right. It was. Yeah. Oh, my God. So he is white. Yeah. And he made himself look like freaking. I think like, we actually did a, a little talk about, uh, not him, but like something like this. We were like, it does a couple times. Remember with uh, Jamie Noble was Jamie Son. And yes. uh, the other guy in the Orient Express was Paul Diamond, the white guy. Uh, yeah yeah so this is god a thing dude he looks like ming the merciless from flash gordon <laughs> but with hair oh god this was <clears throat> something but we get another similar finish here to other matches on this card where harley race gets on the apron and holds cactus jack yoshi charges in and shockingly cactus moves and Quan hits I race. At all. Yeah, I know, right? Hasn't already happened like three times on this card. Uh, Jack then hits a double arm DDT on Quan for the win. Uncle Dave oh, said, man. "Sorry, <laughs> Uncle Dave said, Quan has already been ruined by TV jobs weeks before this match. Anyway, oh man, you, I, I thought he had a chance to be something good. I guess this, yeah, oh okay, yeah, it's the TV jobs that ruined him, Dave." <laughs> He gave, he gave him three quarters of a. He gave this three quarters of a star. I give it a star and a half. Say you. I give it one. God, Again, this blue ass. I got to question my own judgment here. Wasn't this the worst match tonight? Yep. I don't know. Again, this one saying bang bang on the door, baby. Okay, get it, get it. There we go. Yeah, anyway. I got it. I just didn't want it. <laughs> uh, but after the match. This is easy. Cactus Jack just suplexes Harley Race's ass into the ring and steals a little le- little leather bag. Cool. What's in the bag? Thus crapping on, on your entire argument. Exactly. <laughs> we get a video package of Rick Rude kissing Fifi on Flair for the gold, and then Fifi slaps Rick Rude. Uh, Rick Flair goes on to end the 2023 segment. things that wouldn't happen. Right. I feel like most of Rick Rude's gimmick was sexual assault. <laughs> and harassment for that part, for that matter, too. Yep. Like painting the woman's face on his crotch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, when you say it, it's it's funnier. But Rick Rude, Rick Flair goes to end the segment when Rude attacks Flair from behind with a big gold belt before hitting the Rude Awakening on him. Ah. <sighs> But now we go to Ric Flair with Fifi, a.k.a. the future Mrs. X Ric Flair. <laughs> Life number four, three, I don't know. I, I can't keep track. The alimony pony, everybody. It's like Ric Flair, Flair makes some lucky woman a great first husband. Exactly. 
Uh, but Ric Flair is defending the WCW International World's Heavyweight title. As opposed to the international local title. Yeah. This was, like, God. But he's defending it against Rick Rude. This goes 30 minutes, 47 seconds. Look, right now, I'm just going to say this was too damn long. But I can see way. the argument on that, but I did enjoy it. I mean, it wasn't I bad. Mean, it was I said the long. same exact thing about Omega and Osprey. I'm like, man, I like this match, but this is far too long. But I loved it. Yeah. Well, before the bell rings... I long, you still had a good time watching it. You know, it sounds yeah. weird. But. Well, before the bell rings, to your point, Ric Flair holds up an airbrushed picture of a beaten-up Ric Flair and says... Uh, that says, please don't hit me. <laughs> that was kind of funny. But he says that he's going to take hit Ric Flair's reputation, his world title belt, and his woman. He's going to take that reputation, huh? That great reputation that Flair built up over all the years. Yeah, right. Uh, hey, that's just adding to the list of sexual assaults. <laughs> Allegedly! Uh, I'm going to take but, Space Mountain. Oh, God. Uh, but then Rude shows that... And uh, inject something in it. <laughs> Rude then shows that Fifi is airbrushed on his crotch, on the crotch of Rude's tights. Yeah, her face is right there on hashtag Rick Rude's dong. That he apparently That's injected it. stuff into and didn't work, so he killed himself, right? Yeah, it turned black and fell off. That's what a honky tonk man said, so I believe it. Yep. Also, on this, by the way, why didn't Rise go back to Dark Side of the Ring? Did you see the one? Rick Rude was having a few with Chinkyard Dog. He put his, his face on his crotch. Are you serious? So was it just women. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, something. Yep. Uh, but anyway, trying to get back into this after saying hashtag Rick Rude's dong. Uh, I feel like uh, this one dragged on way too long. Like I mentioned, Fifi's on the ramp at one point and Rude gets in her face. So she slaps him. Rude then forces a kiss on her. My point earlier. Uh, this distracts the referee while Ric Flair locks in the figure four. This allows Rick Rude to pull out a an international object from his tights and punch <laughs> and punch Ric Flair with it. For those who don't get it, there was an edict that went out on uh, in Turner Corporate there for a while. They said, "Don't say the word foreign. Say international." So they took it to its logical conclusion. Instead of saying foreign object, they said an international object. Yeah, not uh, unknown object. Yeah, right. Or just call it whatever the hell it is. Yeah, right. No, international object. But Rude then pins Flair to win the title. Uncle Dave said, quote, Rude is either still hurt from his back injury or doesn't care anymore. And since he's a heel who won't bump anymore, that pretty much makes him useless. And who decided to put them out there for 30 minutes? Still ended up as the best match on the show, which isn't saying much, but the first half was brutally bad, end quote. Except uh, that really bad part, I'll agree with him on everything. That's weird. I can't believe I just said that. Yeah, right. Uh, he gave this two and three quarter stars. I gave it an even three. What say you? I gave it three as well. It wasn't. But I definitely understand the argument to be too long, but. Yeah, 30 plus minutes. Just And wow, Rick Rude's blowing kisses all freaking matches getting old, man. <laughs> well, he's got to do something because he ain't going to bump. <laughs> we now get uh, another promo for Here's, what I'm, Here's what I'm saying, though. Like, Flair's whole thing, his whole life in wrestling has been based around 
No, hey, I, I can get your woman if I want, but when someone does it to him, <laughs> that one's even going to talk about, oh, this player's game right here. Yeah, right. I mean, I get it. Bruce the heel. He's the baby. We couldn't even talk about it. Just like acknowledge that he did it. The player invented this game, damn it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, we get another promo for Halloween Havoc 1993 before the War Games cage lowers and all the pyro blows. I thought Cody, thought Cody was coming, coming out. out. <laughs> Beach to it. Uh, but anyway, that takes us to our next break. On the other end of this, we are going into our main event, War Games. Right for this. War Games! Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the that. mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. We right. shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go way weird. back, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do, we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The... Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well... What do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O. K-A-S-T hey, the ending. Hey, it's alright Good on you yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast Remember we don't spell it with a C We spell it with a K Sorry mate Take it easy The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube Find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks And we're back and we're back. Unfortunately, it's main event time. It's the War Games match. So neither there was a, if there's ever a case to be made for the War Games, I'm not closing the show. It's right here. Yeah. Well, neither one of these teams have names because who gives a damn? It's heels and baby faces. First one is Sid Vicious, Vader, and Harlem Heat. They go by Cole and Kane here, by the way. They have Harley Race and Colonel Robert Parker in their corner. They're taking on Sting, Davy Boy Smith, Dustin Rhodes, and the Shackmaster with Road Warrior Animal in their corner. Sure. Uh, this goes just over 16 and a half minutes. So, Shackmaster... Hawk and Animal are still on the outs here because of London. Oh, really? Well, so. that explains a lot. But Shockmaster quickly switched his attire from what he wore in his debut, and he now looks like the world's largest electrical line worker. (laughs) I don't understand it. Yeah. (sighs) Did he wear that attire once, and then they were like, yikes, never again? Which which attire? This one right here? No, uh, his debut. Uh, Yeah, I, I never saw it again. Yeah, what the hell? Like, why did he show up in that? Because all I saw was this look right here. Did it look like they just threw anything they had laying around on him? It, yep. it was awful. And then this, just dumb. It looked like it a looks, failed member of the village people. Yeah, well, and the thing is, he had the the mustache that everybody's uncle had during in 1993. 
and the mullet that everybody's uncle had in 1993. Uh, except yeah. he had more of a perm in his mullet, but yes. Yeah, right. I was just like, the F, man. I think that was Uncle Fred. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the match starts with Vader versus Dustin Rhodes. Kane is in next. That, that's gotta be Kane. The double team, Dustin. Next in for the baby faces is Sting. Sid Vicious is in next for the heels. Dustin Rhodes starts bleeding a gusher. I know. I was shocked, too. But the By the way, size... fast forward 2023, he is still wrestling. Yep. Still looking great, too. The sides are evened up when the British Bulldog is in next. This means that they're saving the best for last. Cole is in for Harlem well, you, Heat. You gotta make a big, shocking entrance. Exactly. Cole of the Harlem Heat is in last for the heels. Kane, <laughs> a.k.a. Booker T, does a flying... Wow. I oh, won't think about all the... Is this the second War Games he was in, or third? Ooh. I mean, not chronologically. Uh, Stevie Ray. I could only think of two. Okay, so well, it's two too many. And I didn't even realize <laughs> I knew that until you just said this, actually. Yeah. yeah, right. But Kane, who is Booker T, does a flying leap from one ring over both sets of ropes into the other ring at one point. That was the coolest thing you're going to see in this match. Finally, the Shackmaster is in and starts chucking fools into the cage walls. In the end, Kane submits to a bear hug from the Shockmaster. Uncle Dave said, quote, Animal was in Sting's corner for no reason other than that WCW had advertised him being in the match for weeks and didn't want to look like they were false advertising. Oh, yeah, because they would never do that again. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait. Who is he going to replace then? I have no clue. Well, my Obviously, thing is, Shockmaster like, would be the obvious one, but... Well, that's my thing. I'm like, so no Animal... Throw in Shockmaster? Like what? What? This really gives some merit to the whole. Mabel was gonna be the third man. Yeah, I, it's not <laughs> like Animal would have made this match more like that much better, but he would have been more credible. I would have wanted to see him more. Anyway, he also says mostly standing around and eat uh, and most in easily the worst war games ever. Uh, well, up until this point. He said, Davy Boy Smith screwed up the finish as well as Shockmaster put Cole in the bear hug and Kane just stood there not saving him because Smith was supposed to tackle him and never showed up. God. Uh, he gave this a star and a half. How does he know that? Uh, I guess you could see him just standing there. I, I mean, I don't know how he knew about the Davy Boy Smith thing, but <sighs> I don't know. But Uncle Dave gave it a star and a half. I don't know. It. I like all war games matches. It's really hard to ruin war games for me. I give it three. Say you. I gave it two. I'm between two and a half and three on this one. But uh, so the big joke about Shockmaster is that he keeps falling all over the place. So commentary shocked that he didn't mess this up. Yeah, that was the, they, they turned the whole thing into him falling around being a bowling goose. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's not try to make him serious anymore. F that. We'll just you know we'll steer into it. Right. <laughs> that is literally what they probably said. And I'm sure Fred Ottman was like, like he went from, I like, don't get me wrong. Shockmaster wasn't going to do a damn thing, but he went from probably high hopes of, Oh yeah, they're going to push me. They're going to put me in the main event. I'm in war games and all this other stuff. He goes from that to never mind, You're a bumbling idiot. Well, that'd be heartbreaking. 
Like he did, he had better luck as tugboat, and he literally made tugboat uh, tugboat noises and dressed like a stupid sailor. But either way, when the baby faces leave, the heels shout and scream in the ring. Cole claims that he never submitted and that this is all a lie. Sid and Vader celebrate like they actually won the match. Like most things in WCW in the year 1993, this was a pretty damn boring show. Not much was gratuitously bad, like I said, but it was super boring. And that takes us to the end. Uh, On the other end of of this, we're going to get into the final ratings and telling you what's coming up next week on the podcast. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. What's up, everybody? I am the hardest part of the ring, the host of the Apron Bump podcast. Ugh, another wrestling podcast. How many times can I listen to fans tell me who needs a push, who doesn't need a push, who brings Vince's coffee these days? Enough! The Apron Bump is about the journey. It's about nostalgia. It's about discovering new forms of wrestling to really tickle your pickle as a wrestling fan. The podcast brings you reviews of wrestling events all over the world, whether it's WWF, WWE, WCW, ECW. We even cover the golden eras of Ring of Honor, Progress, TNA, and more promotions in the future as well. New episodes every Wednesday. Bump day. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Go to apronbump.com or go to your favorite podcast platform or YouTube and subscribe today for the most diverse, fan-friendly wrestling podcast in the world. I'm hard. event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on youtube find all of our links on our link tree at linktr.ee forward slash main event marks and we're back we're back final ratings time here internet movie database gave this 6.3 out of 10 cagematch.net gave it 5.03 out of 10 i gave it a 6.5 out of 10 for a d let's say you solid d plus yeah, there are a couple decent matches on this card, but not enough to save it. It, uh, Like I said, it was boring as hell. It had a lot of stuff that would not fly today. I realized this was 30 years ago, but still, just, damn. Uh, poor, poor Uncle Fred, too, by the way. <laughs> but that does it for that one. Up next week, we have uh, on September 20th, actually next week, wow, I... Didn't even realize next week is already double main event week. Crazy. But we've got. Yeah, I got to get one more watched. Yep. Uh, next week uh, on September 20th, we bring you a TNA No Surrender 2012. We're going to get uh, the wrap up of the Bound for Glory series, whatever. Uh, so Bully Ray, Jeff Hardy, they're involved. Jeff Harvey. Exactly. Uh, yeah, sorry, I mispronounced that. Uh, and then. <laughs> The bonus show on the 22nd is... A freaking bonus. It's Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor, 16. Which, let me pull this up here. I forget off the top of my head the main event. It is Jay Lethal defending the ROH World's Heavyweight title against Will Ospreay, who we mentioned earlier. Uh, Bully Ray is also on this card. We get the Briscoe Brothers. We get the Addiction. 
Punishment Martinez, man, who was the Money in the Bank holder. Good graces. Oh, yeah, of course. But that's all coming up next week. Going to be a big week. Going to be good. Good. But I hope to see you all next week. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. Yeah, sure. Yeah, this was a thing. And we will see you all next week with PNA No Surrender 2012 and Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor 16.